Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I want to read 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13, and then I want to jump in as we continue on our series uh, called Encounters, as we've been looking at different encounters, and it's been my prayer as your pastor to see us dive into a deeper encounter with God. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we kind of get this impression that that was special and unique for them, and not to suggest it's not special, but you have to understand that there's nothing special or unique about them other than the fact that they are loved by God just like you. And so the same way that they encounter God, I believe that we can encounter God. And so there's some unique things that happen in those personal encounters in God. I've always said this, there's, there's the encounter of God on a corporate level that's different than what happens on an individual level. And both are super important to the journey. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, we're going to look at the life of Elijah and an encounter that he had with God that was completely unexpected. And so the Lord says, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the winds, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. And if you remember, we talked about Moses a couple of weeks ago. And Moses' encounter in the presence of God was with a fiery bush. Again, the fire representing the presence of God. But the Lord, in this moment, was not in the fire. These are Three major symbolic moments God has used all of these to represent his presence at one time or another throughout scripture. But it's really important that in this encounter with Elijah, the Lord was not in any of those. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. The, 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 the actual term is the uh, the sheer amount of silence, like there was almost absolute silence after the earthquake, the wind, the fire, big demonstrations, and all of a sudden there's this gentle whisper. There is, it's just like, it's so quiet. And when Elijah heard it, now he recognizes this moment, he pulled his cloak over his face, again at a sign of humility, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave, and then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. God, we can come and and take up some space and time, you know, and sitting in our homes and, you know, watching online or being here in person. But God, the reality is we want to hear from you. God, we want to encounter you. We want to experience you in the most profound way. And right now in this moment, we have the opportunity to hear your voice. Even today, I pray that we would hear the gentle whisper of the Lord. And I pray that God, not only will you give us ears to hear what you're saying, but that God, you give us the courage to walk it out. May we walk it out with absolute obedience in what you called us to today. And so God, change our lives. Move among us, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, have you ever had a moment that's like super predictable and you think everything is going according to plan or you're watching, you know, some movie or TV show and every, you, you've kind of figured it all out. You know what's going to happen next. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting watching TV with Cora, whether it's a movie or a show, she'll often lean over and say, you know what's going to happen? This is what's going to happen. And anybody else get annoyed with that? I get super annoyed. I'm like, hello, I don't want the spoiler alert. Like, give it, stop. Like, I want, like, let it go. I want to watch this. I'm, I'm into this. And, and even though I'm sitting there going, she's probably right, I don't want to know. But then all of a sudden that moment happens and that twist happens and the predictable becomes unpredictable and you didn't see it coming, especially in a movie. It's like you kind of figured it out and then bam, I didn't see that coming. Where did that come from? I didn't know. And it throws you off a little bit and it, and it can be a little, you know, uh, in the moment, just make you rethink everything. You ever have a moment like that with God? You ever have a moment like that when you had that, you know, your relationship and your journey with Christ where you feel like everything is just kind of going along well and all of a sudden you have that moment, bam, and you did not see that coming. All of us have. And all of us know what it's like in that moment where we feel like, you know, absolutely 100%. It's unsettling. And yet, in God, we know that it can have some really powerful effects on our lives. And that's what happened in 1 Kings with Elijah. Elijah had a moment in his relationship, in his walk, in his journey with God, that absolutely he had an unexpected result happen as he was serving God. And then God responds in an unexpected way. I want to talk about how God's encounters can be very much unexpected on our ends, but very customized to where you're at. And when you pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, you pick up Elijah, who this, this great prophet that's done all these great things. In fact, he's just coming off of having this moment with the prophets of Baal. And, and you know, of course, he has the, you know, the, the, the wood, and, and he's ready to light this fire. And he's like, all right, prophets of Baal. You go ahead and you ask God, your God to, you know, to light this fire without any help. And they cried out, and Elijah mocked them. He thought, man, like, is your God deaf? He said all these different things. And then you got Elijah's turn, and so Elijah's like, all right, you had your turn. Your God didn't show up. Now I'm going to do mine. And then he, and he literally, he just, he drenched the wood, and then he called on God, and God sent a fire and caught and just consumed that fire. And instantly... Elijah turns around and he looks at all the ones that are with him. He says, that's it, we got to take him out. And he, they took out all of the prophets of Baal. In first, or chapter 19, we find Elijah, you know, making his way after that. He saw God move in the most powerful way you could ever imagine. Just imagine if you were there watching fire fall and all of a sudden this drenched wood is just consumed. But then word got back to Jezebel, which was King Ahab's wife. She was an evil queen. And she absolutely had this relationship with the prophets of Baal. And so she was a little ticked off that, you know, Elijah had mocked them, that this had happened, and even more so that he had wiped out. There's like 750 of them. And so she actually gets word to Elijah. She says, Elijah, just think about this. He just saw the hand of God move in the most, the most powerful way. And then Jezebel sends word and says, man, I swear I'm going to take out your life. It's over, Elijah. For what you did, it's over. And the scripture says that he literally was so afraid that he ran for his life. He literally ran 
what was considered a 14-day journey, a two-week distance, just to get away. He was so afraid of Jezebel. In fact, not only that, uh, he flew, or, or he, he fleed to the mountain of God. This is exactly where he went. And remember, the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, this is the exact spot that Moses had his significant encounters with God. I love the thought of this, that he was fleeing from this, this, this chase that Jezebel was bringing, and he was running to the presence of God. I love that. But the problem is, when he got there, he was having a bit of a pity party. Verse 4 says this, if you look at it, it says that, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough. Take my life. I am no better than any of my ancestors. Meaning, God, I'm not even accomplishing anything, and now my life is on the line. You know, verse 9 says again, because God responds to him, and he says, you know, Lord, I've been zealous for you. I've been passionate for you. And yet the Israelites continue to reject your covenant. They've torn down your altars, and they put prophets, your prophets to death by the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Here's the unexpected result. God, I'm doing your work. I'm serving out your purposes. And nothing is going the right way. Anybody ever been there? You ever feel like you're working out, doing the things of God, and serving out the purposes of God, or walking out something in obedience, and all of a sudden, the results aren't coming? Anybody been there? Because I've been there. It's frustrating. And he's feeling like a failure. And the reason why, you know, we say that he's having a bit of a pity party is because he's exaggerating some of the things that are going on. Because it was after the moment of the prophets of Baal that the Israelites around them dropped down to their knees and they started worshiping God. He wasn't the only prophet left. There was more than he was, but he thought he was the only one. He felt so alone. Some scholars say that at this point, Elijah was dealing with depression. That's how deep and dark this was going on. I love that thought. Not because he was walking through depression, but to realize how human Elijah was as much as, as, as the anointing of God that was on his life. He's still human. Kind of takes the pressure off the rest of us when you walk through a little bit of, you know, whether it's a mental health journey or, you know, stress or anxiety or worry, depression. And that's what's going on in this moment. And so he looks at God and he's like, seriously, God, what's up with this? I served you. I give you my life. Where are you? And then God in turn responds. And he looks at Elijah. And you would think that God missed the memo or something. Or that God was completely, you know, not in the zone here. And he didn't know, he didn't clue in. And he's like, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you my presence? Why are you a two-week journey that, by the way, took him 40 days? He took his time. He's kind of dragging his feet a little bit. Woe is me. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm coming, God. I don't really want to come, but I'm going to come because I need to be in your presence. I just want to, I want my life to be over. Just dragging his feet. He's like, God's like, why are you here? A part of that is because it's rhetorical. God's pointing out, hey, you've got a mission. I've got a calling on your life. Why are you here? Why are you in the wrong direction? 
Part of it was because he was, it was almost, again, it's a rhetorical question as if to suggest, why are you running from Jezebel? Why are you running in fear? Why are you walking in fear when I just showed you my power literally days before this moment? You have seen my power firsthand, Elijah, and you're running from Jezebel. I just, I just sent fire to consume that moment of that, 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 that fire pit. And you're afraid of Jezebel? Exact, that's exactly, like in the same way that Elijah's going, God, like seriously, what's up? I think God's kind of looking back at Elijah going, dude, what is up, bro? Seriously? You're worried about Jezebel? And you've seen the demonstration of my power and you're still worried about her? Come on. But here's the thing. God doesn't chastise him. God just asks the question. God doesn't condemn him. God doesn't push his buttons. God doesn't get angry. God doesn't scoff at him. But God sees something a little bit different and he responds because he realizes there's more to this right now. And that's why I believe that when he says to Elijah, I want you to go out and I want you to get ready because I'm going to pass by. And then instantly we saw the wind, which is a, again for Elijah and for anybody else in that moment, that would signify symbolically, this is the presence of God, and yet he wasn't there. The earthquake comes, and yet he wasn't there. The fire comes, and yet he wasn't there. Those were the norm, but God recognized that this wasn't a normal moment. And God recognized in this moment that as much as a demonstration of power can do something, it's obvious that the demonstration of power, not to devalue, to devalue in any way the, the, the demonstrations of God's power, but Elijah needed more than that. He needed more than just the norm. It clearly, he was deeply broken. He needed a different encounter with God, one that was beyond the demonstration of power. In fact, I'm going to suggest to you that the encounter that he needed he didn't need another demonstration of God's power. He needed the closeness of his presence. And not to devalue the power of God. But obviously in this case, the power of God, the demonstration of power was not enough to run the fear and the brokenness and the sorrow out of his life. What he needed was something more personal. He needed to hear the voice of God. And that's why I believe that God spoke in the gentle whisper. That he wasn't in those other norms. And, and again, throughout scripture, you'll see it again. You'll see moments of earthquakes, fire. You'll see wind, the, you know, the axe, the, you know, the, the upper room, the wind, the spirit of God came. But in that moment, Elijah needed God to come personal. And a gentle whisper, that sound of sheer silence, is what he needed. He needed a place where he could just express his heart. He needed a place where he could find shelter. What he needed to hear 
was the voice of God. And to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I have found that even though over the years I've seen a ton just like you, I've seen a lot of demonstrations of God's power. But nothing is etched in my mind or my heart more than the closeness of his presence and the gentle nudge and the whisper of his voice to my heart. I remember when I was, um, I was 18 years old, somewhere around there, I knew that the call of God was on my life since I was 16. And, uh, but for two years, three years, man, I've wrestled with the call of God. Always second-guessed it, wondered if this is what God wanted me to do. You know, did I just kind of walk into it because, you know, I was a part of a great youth ministry. Uh, my, my youth pastor is a great pastor. All of us had a passion for serving in the church. Did I just come into this just naturally? And uh, I remember one Sunday, our church had a guest. And, and because we were a part of youth leadership at the time, as some of our uh, students, you know, we had to sit in the front row. If we were late to church, we had to sit in the front row. That was the deal, man. So we were like pushing our parents to get to church early so we didn't have to sit in the front row. And it was always me and a couple other guys that would end up being right on time. And so we'd have to come and sit in the front row. And I remember halfway through the message, this guy who's preaching, he has this word, this prophetic word for one of my closest friends. And he's like, hey, what's your name? And so my friend gets up there and, and he begins to give this powerful prophetic word about the calling of God in his life to full-time ministry. And I'm sitting there going, oh man, this is awesome. God, I've been looking for this. I've been looking for the sign. I've been looking for the demonstration of your power to convince me that you're here, that you're in it, that you're with me. It's a little bit like Elijah. God, I'm looking for some confirmation. I need it. But in the moment for Elijah, God recognized the demonstration of the power wasn't enough. It didn't run deep enough. He needed to hear the personal voice of God. And I remember waiting in anticipation because I've been called. I've had prophetic words spoken over me. And the interesting thing is, I'm still questioning two years later. Prophetic words that you can't, you can't, you know, miss. It's people that don't even know each other are confirming the exact same thing. So I'm waiting for my turn. Doesn't happen. And I'm bugged. I got this unexpected result. I anticipated one thing. And then like Elijah, I, I experienced in that moment, that day, the unexpected way that God would respond. I'd never experienced it this way before. I went home that day. I went to my room. I closed my door. And I wept before God. And I started, I started arguing with God. I started having these moments like, God, are you kidding me? Like, why didn't you do, I, you know I've been struggling. Why didn't you let that guy in that moment say something about me? That would be the right thing right now in this moment. This is, God, this would secure it. What I didn't realize until now or years later, if that were true, then why didn't the first two or three times stick? Because sometimes... The demonstration of God's power, as powerful, no pun intended, as it is, 
as life-altering it as it is, and not to devalue because I want to see the demonstration of God's power all of the time. There's just something that it cannot do that the closeness of his presence can. And while I was kneeling, I remember this. I can see it right now. This is how etched in my memory this is. I mean, I've seen miracles. And I, sometimes i got to be reminded of those miracles. But this one moment, I can tell you right now, I can see myself in my room. I know the feelings that I was having in the moment, kneeling by my bed, weeping before God, going, God, I need something. I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign. And all of a sudden, I heard this whisper in my spirit, a nudge that says, no, you don't. I've called you. You don't need another sign. And that moment, that moment led to years. In fact, immediately after, I wasn't looking for the sign. Don't get me wrong, I love the signs. I love the prophetic. I love the demonstration of his power. But what got me settled was hearing the voice of God saying, I've already called you. And in a moment, not a big demonstration of his power, God just came into my room and there was just this gentle affirmation assurance, I've called you. You don't need another sign. I haven't changed my mind, sunshine. I'm still there. And even now, when I have moments, just like Elijah, where I get worried or anxious, or I have moments where I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed, it's moments like that that I'm reminded. It's moments like that that have anchored me. Because there's power, incredible power, in an encounter with God when you actually experience the gentle whisper of his voice. Let me give you three reasons why, and I'm going to ask Rebecca to come back. Whenever there's a whisper of God's voice, it's just like how we get a whisper from somebody. It's personal, and it develops a deeper relationship. It's kind of funny at our house. No matter what Abby wants to talk about with her mom, if I'm in the room, she will curl up beside her mom and begin to whisper in her ear. And I'm like, Abby, I'm your dad. What's the big deal? You know, like, I'm going to find this out later. And she's like, nope, nope, this is just for mom. This is just for mom. Hey, mom. Right? When somebody whispers, it's because they want only you to hear it. See, God recognized that Elijah just needed to hear the voice of God say, hey, Elijah, I've got you. In fact, the gentle whisper suggests that this is the moment that God actually expresses his compassion towards the brokenness that Elijah is feeling in this moment. He's not dismissing it. He's addressing it. God will do the same thing for you. There are moments where God wants to draw you and I into his presence so that we can hear the whisper of his heart so that it can anchor you more deeply than the day before. And there will be moments where God will do the demonstrations of his power. But it's not just about the sign. 
We're a generation that's always looking for the sign. The church of God needs to mature from that. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Hear my heart. We got to dig deep enough so that we hear the whisper of God because that's what's going to anchor us through the storm. How many times did the Lord say, especially in the Old Testament, be still, stop, shh, and watch what I'm about to do. Listen to my voice. Whisper makes it so much more personal. There's a deepening of that relationship. It's deeply reassuring. That's the other one. When there's a whisper, there's a, there's, it's a focus, and so it's reassuring. It's, you know, when your kids are freaking out at home, what do you do? You pull them in close. You're like, shh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Why? Because your calmness is going to change their demeanor. And in that moment, you're expressing love and protection. Elijah was freaking out. He was losing his mind. He wanted to die. For a month. More than a month. He wanted God to change the course. He wanted God to take his life. I'm a failure, God. Anybody ever felt like that? I'm serving out your purposes and I can't get it done. It's not happening. The God just pulls you in and goes, shh, it's okay. It's all right. As you study this, the impression is this is the ministering moment. This is the deep inner work that only God can do. We come to him in brokenness and hurt. And we just surrender ourselves. We express our hearts. I mean, I've, I've heard this so many times out of people going, man, Pastor Craig, don't say it. My response has always been, God's got big enough shoulders and he already knows what I'm thinking anyway. My expression isn't a lack of faith. My expression is saying, God, this is my heart. This is what's going on and I need you right now. God loves those moments. And he knows when you need a demonstration of power, and he knows when you need the closeness of his presence. And in this moment, he wanted to reassure Elijah. That gentle whisper would have reassured him, hey, I've got you. I love you. I know it's chaotic. I know it's crazy. I know that Jezebel's trying to take your life, but I got you. And I've got a plan. Which you see after verse 13. In fact, here's the last one. Obviously, the gentle whisper of God is restorative. Because after this encounter, God says, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. One of those things was to anoint Elisha to take up the mantle, to continue on the work of the ministry on his behalf. And the scripture says that immediately Elijah did it. And I wrote down this thought, and I just mentioned it, I'll say it again. A month of brokenness, a month of running, a month of wrestling through worry, fear, wanting your life to be taken, and one gentle 
whisper from God changed everything. And instantly he got back on track. You might be here today. You might be watching this today. And you might be facing something similar. All of the same emotions. The the hurt, the brokenness, the sorrow. Maybe you're feeling like a failure. Maybe you feel like things are not working out. Maybe you don't feel like you're accomplishing much. Listen, I've been there. I've had plenty of moments like that. And the reason why I'm driving home the encounter is because you can see a thousand signs. But when you're in that state of mind, you you just need the closeness of His presence. You just need to hear the gentle whisper of God. And trust me, Elijah experienced it. I've experienced it. Many others have experienced it. Maybe you've experienced it yourself, and you just need to be reminded of it. The gentle whisper of God, reassuring you and seeing the compassion of God and just hearing his gentleness in that moment, love on you. I believe it restores the soul. I believe that it restores purpose. And everything that God has for you. God wasn't done with Elijah. Elijah might have been done with Elijah. But God wasn't done with Elijah. So I'm going to speak to you. Because I want to drive out that fear. I've said this so many times. We might experience brokenness. But God never intends for you and I to live there. And if we're living there, it's because we haven't drawn Because if you've tasted and seen, if you've heard the whisper of his voice, perfect love casts out fear. Pastor Craig, I've been in his presence. Keep doing it. Keep going. Until you hear the gentle whisper of his voice and let him minister to you. All over this place, if you want to stand with me all over this place, If you're online right now, you can either stand in your living room or your backyard, wherever you are. But if that's you today, I just want to invite you to lift a hand, lift your heart right now before the Lord all over this place. God, I just, I want to hear the gentle whisper of your voice in this season of my life. Go ahead. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.